you you drove here, yes? Yes. You have a you have a car and live in Astoria. Yes. Do that. I mean, that is like I'm because that used it's to the be, dream. Yeah. If really, I was on Medi, oh sorry. No, go ahead. Are we on the air already? Oh. Yeah, but like I can you know start at oh, any okay. point. If I was on Medicaid, that's everything. Car in Astoria, Medicaid. It's rent rent stabilized. That's the perfect comic light. You're, I just need to get on Medicaid. I need to earn less money. So your apartment is is rent stabilized. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. How do you how do you finesse that to get on Medicaid? Uh, you need to earn less money. My wife is a union stage manager, so she earns too much. Okay. I think you, you need to earn like under probably under twenty thousand. I don't know for a couple, but uh, that's yeah. My I, wife is a thirty thousand heir, so then you can't be on Medicaid. Yeah, I think earning under twenty thousand might be tougher than than being on Medicaid. I don't know if the the math checks out, but oh sure, you, yeah, you could make it work, I guess. No, dude, Astoria is like the best. Just because I was there for four years, because you're in New York City, but you're kind of apart from it. Yes. And you're able to get into the city when you need to, but you can have a car and it feels like you can breathe fresh air when you're there. Yeah, it's relaxing. For sure. How long have you been in a story for? Uh, Ten years. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I do. I do miss miss just like the space, um, like going home at night and just like kind of not and like having like a like being able to sleep and it's quiet outside. I feel like that's not something you get in the city very at all. Yeah. It's the neighbor. Yeah. It's just living in a neighborhood. I was living in Murray Hill before that. And it's not a neighborhood. Dude, that's the exact opposite of Astoria. That's like frat bros. My life completely changed. I was working in finance, living in Murray Hill and then I, and single. And then I was with my wife and living in Astoria and a comic. Sounded like a change for the better. Um, we do have I'm Freddy- much happier. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Uh, we have Freddie G here on the podcast. Um, there, yeah, we're on video, so we can like wave and acknowledge the audience, do like a thing from the office, like kind of smirk at the camera. Oh um, yeah, so yeah, I'll try to describe what I'm doing to the audio only because I'm an audio only podcast consumer. Yeah, okay, there we go. Um, I want to start. There's like a few things I like, you know, wanted to talk about before, or I kind of set up as like a docket to talk through, but we can do like kind of a Tarantino thing and like start now and then go back to the past. But so currently, Freddie's as he said, a comic, living in Astoria, happy with a wife got a car rent controlled apartment um also like just very active online i would say correct yes yeah i'm posting yeah i post a lot basically i was i was getting social media in 2019 and i was getting kind of good at twitter uh i remember i did a thing in at the end of 2020 i wanted to have 2020 followers by by 2020 so i was tweeting history facts for the year that i had and none of the tweets were good, but it did excite people a little bit. And I did. I think I did hit it. Just there was like a little bit of a hook there. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And then 20, then 2020 happens and uh, we can't do stand up for a bunch of time. And I started doing the jokes in my house and some went viral on TikTok and then eventually on Instagram. And then I got into like making videos and like posting as part of like what I do to like grow my comedy. Did. Like how how long did it kind of take you to like kind of get into that or to like feel comfortable with it just because speaking from personal experience i had a very like an aversion to it for a very long time like i didn't want to post stuff online i was i was too much of a like luddite is the real the old school guys say that you're burning your material that you'll eventually do on late night or something and then maybe you'll do like until you get on late night it'll be might be years and who knows yeah and you might not even get it on it at all without the following yeah, exactly. But like, so was it just like, hey, I'm trapped inside. I've got nothing better to do. I might as well just like exactly. make these videos and go for it. I had made a TikTok account uh, randomly and barely used it. And then 
I was just like, I'm going to tape myself saying a joke in my house every day and put it on my Instagram story and then post it on Instagram. And then I was like, oh, I can use TikTok to shoot this. And I would just do them in one take. They weren't even that good in hindsight. And then a couple went viral pretty quickly. I think that's kind of the um, the comments that I've heard from a lot of comics where it's like, yeah, there's certain videos that I spend a lot of time on and I edit them and I put a lot of thought and they don't do well at all. And then sometimes it's just me talking into the camera for like 10, 15 seconds and that takes no time at all and it goes it goes way, way better. There is there is that. Basically, the way it was is it wasn't that the video, the joke, the writing of the jokes were good. But everything else about it was very much just me saying it and no production value or whatever. And the sound was just cell phone sound or whatever. Mm. And then I was doing that. And then by June, this was in March 2020. I also was smart enough to post like do these posts like March 20th. People were stuck inside and TikTok was very easy. Yeah. So there wasn't that much comedy on there. It was also very new because I, I, I the first time I heard about TikTok was spring of 2019 with that Lil Nas X song, Old Town Road. Oh, nice. And yeah, because it's like, oh, this song's blowing up on TikTok. And then, like me just being the, you know, very tech averse guy that I am, it's like, fuck it. I'm not learning another another app. I'm not looking for another thing to scroll. I'm not signing up for TikTok. Screw this. And but then come a year later, everyone's stuck inside. They have nothing to do. I think like it, it feels like millions of people and literally every comic like downloaded TikTok the, and got going. The way it is being a 39-year-old comic is that there's people 10 years younger than you who say they're too old for the app that you're using. Mm. TikTok is just videos. It's, it's just, You got to make them vertical. They got to be a certain length. That's it. You can post any video there. Right. So it doesn't have to be you dancing to a song you never heard of or whatever. Yeah. Comics who tried to dance mostly, they weren't doing what they were good at. And it showed. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I'd say you just videos, be true to yourself, that kind of thing. All right. Yeah. Cause I think I, I fell into that trap too, where it's like, I thought like TikTok was just one specific thing or it was like voiceovers and like, and, uh, or like lip syncing or something like that. And so I, I didn't see, I didn't have like the, the vision or the clarity to see like something like you did, like what, what it could so possibly be for a it, comic. There's a thing called Bloomberg TikTok in finance. It's like Bloomberg saying the note, the, like the, um, the news of the day, I guess. I don't even remember what it is. When I heard, I thought they were talking about Bloomberg TikTok, and then a year or two later, I'm like addicted to it. What, what do you mean, like Bloomberg had a news feed called yeah. Bloomberg TikTok? Okay, and I was like, why are kids into Bloomberg TikTok? Oh, okay. sorry. Have you never <laughs> if you haven't worked in finance, Bloomberg is a financial uh, the biggest financial data company. Okay, so like, t- did they and spell T I C K? I have to. I should look. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely spelled differently. Bloomberg. Um, has a tv station basically if you know what cnbc is cnbc is for morons uh so bloomberg is the smarter cnbc okay right on and they have yeah whatever all right so that gets going like during the spring and into like later in the summer and i I feel like that's like a very like by june i was falling in all the traps i was posting too much crappy things just trying to do trends or whatever Mm -hmm. one thing with trends is my theory on trends is a lot of it is hot people looking hot so if you are hot or you that's what you want to do go for them but the trends aren't big because of the trends. They're big because the people are hot. So if you're not hot, do something. You have to be creative in a different way. So the only trend is just being hot, basically. Yeah. A lot of TikTok is just hot people looking hot. All right. Well, that's you heard it here first, folks. I'm sure it's been said elsewhere. But yeah, that's uh, that, that makes sense. But so you, when you say like falling into traps, like so you were, you were doing all that stuff a few months down after you a few months down the road after you started. And like, did you and so you were seeing less of like a return or less? I like, was. Yeah, I was stalling out. 
Also, because at that point, the video quality had improved. So it wasn't supposed to be you talking on your iPhone 7 um, into the cat into the phone um, and doing one take. And if the take sucks, you still post it. That's what I was doing in March, and it was working. So it was beginner's luck. Yeah. I had to improve uh, my mic se- my mic setup. I, I upgraded to the current iPhone, which was the 11. You know, stuff like that. Like, you have to just improve. I had to have my wife coach me on the performance. Um, and then I had a video hit in September, a really terrible joke about McNeil being Jewish. Yeah. That has gotten like 20, as many videos as all my other videos combined. So, but like when you weren't getting that feedback or like when things kind of stalled out, was it like, I mean, like how frustrating was that? Because I've kind of been in that position before where something does well and then the next thing doesn't. And it's like, you're like almost like craving that dopamine yeah. hit the first thing got. The thing you got to do with these social media is there's a bunch of them. Hopefully, hopefully there will continue to be a bunch of them. Um, but there ba- might be one less. Yeah, basically, the there's as we're talking, Congress just had hearings on banning TikTok. Um, so then there would be fewer. But you just got to focus on whichever one you're doing well on. And there's always a, at least a f- two or three that you could be using. So if one's not doing well, just fall in love with the one you like because they're all evil companies. Yeah. And I always think I try to make content that can be posted anywhere. It's platform neutral. Because that's what's actually like interesting or funny. It's not like, oh, this uh, me making fun of like some TikTok dance that only like twelve uh, year olds know. Right, but you want it to go across every place that that you could post it. Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah. Do you, as far as like the technical setup or like the way you kind of like actually finesse this stuff, it, it's just like film a video independently of like the app, do the editing. That's what I've been doing now, filming independently. A lot of takes of each line. I do plug in a Rode Go mic into my iPhone, which required three adapters that my AV friend helped me figure out. I might, I might, who knows? Maybe I'll start doing the same thing. How, um, how, why three adapters? Because it's into the, the it, to get to go from headphone jack to lightning in this situation takes three. Okay, not for regular headphones, but for this Rode Go. The thing is, now I re- oh, here's a tip. Yeah, if you record in 4K on a camera then you can convert to vertical and not lose anything. And that's uh, my uh, my AV friend, uh, Colin Zemer, shout out to him. I know Colin. Sent me a video on YouTube explaining that. So if you're willing to, if you shoot, you can shoot horizontal and convert to vertical um, if it's 4K and not lose anything. Okay, but on the phone if it's 4K or it has to be like like a camera? That's in a camera. Okay, like a a camera camera. If you're a comic, you might want to get a camera anyway because to tape your set so then you can use that same camera yeah, and most you, of those cameras do 4k we're learning a lot here a technical setup social media strategy this is uh this is yeah. huge i would say when you buy equipment buy i i buy things one at a time and just buy what you need so like you probably like when i bought a camera I'm like i'm gonna spend 500 dollars get the best camera i can maybe mm-hmm. i'll get more later there are people who spend thousands and never make anything yeah and that is the way to run out of money it- <laughs> Run out of money, be like, this is stupid. Like, why am I even doing this? Yeah, it's like the lack of effort. That's that's the answer. Also, realistically, they're comics, so like they're just they took out credit card debt and then they're just in debt from that. So like, be careful, but you know, stick in a budget when you're buying equipment. So as far as where you're at now, because I know we were talking a little bit before, and you're like, like, how do you think I make a living at this? You say like you have revenue, but not. Yeah, social media is not really so. On social media, you just talk about your comedy a lot, and people might think that you make money doing comedy. And I make revenue, but yeah, I, uh, I tutor. Okay, the key to a day, a comic day job, it to me is first of all, um, don't quit your previous job. Get laid off. Okay. Then they give you money and unemployment. That's a great way to transition. I got laid off three times. Then the third time, I maxed out the unemployment. 
And you're like, okay, well, that's done. No, pandemic, max that out again. Two-time champion. <laughs> you, re you really finessed the money here, folks. Yeah, but you need to – you always want to be um, – if you have a job that pays pretty well, you need to be living like you don't and then saving the difference. And I did that for six years, and I banked you know, a few years of income. Not that I'm not that I'm just gonna like live off that and not work because then in three years you gotta go back to the job for sure. You know, I mean, I don't. I'm now a leftist. I don't even believe in finance. I'm never going back. I, I, I yeah, leftism and, and finance, I think, don't really uh, don't yes. apply. So you've been laid off multiple times. Do you have any advice to our viewers or listeners about like the best possible ways to get laid off, or is it just luck of the draw? I would say if you're at uh, if you're at a company that does layoffs. If you kind of just are nice to everybody but don't really do any work and you don't give them a cause to fire you, you'll just be wrapped up into a layoff. Okay. Yeah. I mean, don't – yeah, definitely don't do anything grand. It's boring. Be boring but unproductive and just try to get into the bottom part. Boring but ineffective is, yeah. is the really Yeah, the just way don't – basically be nice to everybody but and be very – get along with your boss but stop doing work. But, yeah, just be bad at your job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. And also, so then, I, usually I establish early that I can work really hard and I am really good. And so then when I don't do any work, they're like, oh, he's tr not trying. Yeah, all right. This is Man, this is brilliant stuff. I'm really glad we're getting into this. All right, yeah, so let's take one step back then um, from before, you know, when you before starting comedy. Uh, there was an article that you wrote for... Um, What's it called? Love What Matters? Is Love What Matters. It's like right. a mental health website. And I'll share it in the, in the link of the, the YouTube video and in the podcast, too. But I'm just glad it's still up. They could be huge now or they could be not exist. Yeah, it's it's, it's still active, at least the, the link works. But so you kind of tracked your whole journey from being like a shy, nervous teenager all the way towards becoming a stand-up comedian. Um, and you had a line in there where you were talking about working at a day job and while you were beginning to pursue comedy. And the, the line that really stood out to me was like, like the idea is that, oh, you'll chase your dream and eventually you'll quit your job. Um, but it's more accurate to say that stand-up comedy will make you bad at your job and you'll get laid off. That does, yeah, that, exactly. Basically, once you're, you know, like the eye of the tiger, the, if you're working an office job, they pro especially in like a company that's competitive, like a bank or a tech company, whatever. Mm -hmm. Because I was in a financial tech company too. You, when you lose the eye of the tiger, you're just not competitive, and you're going to fall below the people who have the eye of the tiger. When all those times that you got laid off from those companies, which again, congratulations, great job. Oh yeah, you did awesome. Every time ended up people. It's very sad when you get laid off, but every time it ended up being a good thing. So, but were those all those times you had already started comedy, or you just kind of happened to like? So it's a good story. Okay, so I was at a a July fourth, two thousand eleven. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a long journey. Yeah, I'm at I'm actually visiting my buddy in ba the Baltimore office at Morgan Stanley for July fourth, and we go to a part, and I'm like doing improv and like a little stand up or whatever. And I, and I was thinking about going to grad school. And then I'm during the fireworks, we're on the this roof at this like awesome party in Baltimore, watching the fireworks. And I'm like, you know, Fred, you can keep your day job and pursue comedy as a serious career. And then, um, and since then, I've been serious, and it's been yeah, it's oh, it's about to be twelve years. But any, yeah, and it took a while to actually start stand up, whatever. So then I went downstairs, and I immediately just got crazy drunk. Oh no! And was really hung over the next day. I'm so lucky. I drunkenly talked about this in the car ride home, and my buddy definitely could have quashed the whole thing. And he was supportive in the car. 
despite me being and then so then the next day I go into the office. I'm working out of the Baltimore office. I'm already I'm hungover, but also my heart's not in it anymore. And I just at that point I immediately became a much worse worker and I got laid off a year and a half later. And then was there another company after that that led to like another layoff or just Yeah, then I got in at uh, at a uh, at Capital One. Mm -hmm. And I was great for a couple of years, but I wasn't doing stand up every day. Then July 2014 um there was yeah the first year also I got married and I was like sorry, but I, July then basically <laughs> responsibility July, sunk in you're like I should July try 2014 for... I started doing stand up every day so I'm about to hit my nine year anniversary of actually doing it you know pretty much every day like doing not quitting you know I take three months off as my job got busy whatever not quitting so then um uh after that I was like mostly a mediocre worker and then in 2016 I was staying up late to intern at a club. And then do super late spots there just to get the reps at clubs. And I was coming to work tired and not doing any work. So then by early 2017, they laid me off. And was that the last time you were working in an office? Was no, that's the second to last time. Okay, all right. So what, so what happened also is when I when you get laid off, it's like being dumped. And then you're like a jilted lover. And you're like, I'm going to do better for the next one. So I would be good initially. Uh, I also, I got, they told me they were laying me off the day after Trump won. So I was like, so, it was like, it was like, I'm like, this is a season finale in life. Yeah. Uh, then I got another job and I was actually good at it. And I didn't tell him I did comedy. I was actually balancing it perfectly. And then the company just got bored and me and my boss got laid off. Okay. So that had nothing to do with like your. Yeah. I actually had figured it out. Okay. But, uh, but then, and I was like, also I realized I had done some tutoring at some point. I realized I could go back to tutoring and I, I asked a couple comic mentors if I should, if what I should do. The way it is is this. If you want to go uh, focus on comedy, you ask comics. If I wanted to go back to day job work, I, office job work, I would ask finance people. Yeah, you're not going to hang around the comedy club and just ask a comedian. It's like, should I go back to Morgan yeah. Stanley? Yeah. Also, I again, and I had say it was six years. Uh, because by then it was – so f basically from, 20 from 2012 to 2018, I moved to a store and started saving. So I had saved six years worth of money. So you were like in a more – by the time that – and when, when was this last layoff? What year was that? Uh, tw uh, uh, April – let's say April 2nd, 2018. So that's the last time you've worked in an office. Yes. And since then it's been comedy and, and tutoring, and tutoring to, yeah. to, to pay the bills. Oh, can I say why tutoring is good? Yes. The tutoring is a great comic day job. Uh, because good, flexible, good per hour rate. I feel like that's what you need. Okay. Ideally, also provides health insurance. That would be a better thing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's that that it, that it, it's very tough to like those three things you were talking about at the beginning, where it's like good place to live, you know, com good comedy career, and also just like health insurance. Yeah, I want to. So I want to drop this. The number one threat to ninety nine percent of comics. The number one thing that would help us is not or threat is not cancel culture. It's lack of universal health care. Right. Universal health care would be the best thing that could happen to comics. It would keep comics in. It would just. Oh, it's exactly what we need. Because I'm paying like a thousand dollars a month to be my wife's health insurance. Jeez. So it's um yeah that health lack of health insurance is the biggest threat to up and coming and almost every comic in America. And I, I think like other artists too, obviously. Oh, like absolutely, for, yeah. That's I, what that's what I like about it. It unites us with the other the other workers. Cancel culture and being canceled for a joke is not something that other uh, artists or workers can relate to. Right. It's, it's we're all like just trying to be able to go to the doctor for a yearly checkup. And I, dude, I, I think that is completely true. Like, there's so there's so many comedians, maybe not ones that I've known personally, but I've seen things online where like their health insurance is literally just a GoFundMe page where like if, if something happens, they get hit by a car, yes. or they, they suffer some kind of catastrophic accident. It's like, I need a hundred thousand dollars because I don't like yes. I either I'm uninsured or like completely 
underinsured. And like this is the only way I can exactly I can, yeah pay that. That is the one. The one good thing with um, Obamacare is now when you have health insurance, they there's no upper limit. So if something terrible comes, they have to cover it. Uh, up to the sky at least theoretically yeah they can't like cap it like yeah. we can fix one of your broken legs but not two of them but the new york state uh exchange stuff it it's really i mean i guess it would help in some cases but i found it completely useless so i went back on my wife's insurance because i need good health care i'm very crazy yeah and have better <laughs> you know bad genetics and yeah she well she's in a union so i'm sure they got good stuff all right well oh, yeah we have the good yeah awesome oh well unions. now that you bring up i'm very crazy and i have bad genetics i guess going back the, the very beginning of that article that i that i mentioned previously you just kind of talked about um being in high school being a very nervous anxious socially awkward kid and like need like feeling the immediacy at that age to like i gotta be able to break out of this somehow yeah Is my first how- therapist uh told me he's like you're coming here because you know you can live a better life right uh so basically i um i went to junior high school small school and we had been oh everyone had been together where did you grow up so i grew up in queens oh okay yeah i didn't i i lived in staten island for a couple of years in manhattan for uh for six years so i'm not i haven't lived in queens my whole life but i did start in queens and now i'm in a in astoria but you're like yeah you're a true new yorker yeah awesome i did not know that oh yeah and i have the uh, i have the accent of someone who grew up in queens didn't travel and was raised with people in brooklyn who didn't leave their house much it's a very very local dialect for sure so yeah. small middle school. Okay, so I went to the Solomon Schechter School of Queens, uh, conservative Jewish school. I was the only kid there who didn't really know what kosher was and lived in a two-bedroom apartment. Um, so yeah. you, you weren't Orthodox growing up? No. Okay. It's conservative. Oh, okay. Um, conservative is like the, is the centrism of Judaism. It's like we do the stuff, but we're not like insane about it. As far as like outfits or like like yarmulkes yeah. or anything like that, it's just you observe. You can wear that, a yarmulke if you want. You could, yeah, they, they might wear a yarmulke, but it's like. Uh, do you like not drive on Saturdays? Yeah, they don't drive on Saturdays. Okay, all right. We didn't do anything though. My parents didn't know anything. They didn't know about what conservative Judaism was. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, also, yeah. I mean, uh, well, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. This school, yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, my views on Israel have changed since then. I'll just say. That. Okay, so there was four hundred p. There was like. 54 people in my eighth grade class. I knew everybody. I still was weird, but like there was other kids even weirder than me. Right. Um, like I would. Yeah. Like there was. It's like, well, my friends are nerdier and shyer, so it's fine. My uh, my dad had had a funny story. My dad was like a very heavy kid, but oh, yeah. he was only the second fattest kid in his class. Yeah. And there was one kid that was way fatter than him. He's like, thank God that guy was there just because like he was he kept me from being like right at the bottom. That's how. Yeah, that's how it was, uh, it was too. It is weird because now everyone's like, oh, the young generation, they're very um, they're very PC. They won't call each other stuff. And they, I've worked in high schools, and like they still say really mean things to each other. Right, like how they act is not how they're portrayed in the media. Yeah, and the media is, um, you know, very care- careful about what it talks about. Maybe, and I, uh, you know, I'm fine with that. But yeah, high school kids are still quite mean to each other, from what I've seen. So, so things were good in middle school. Then what? You went to a bigger high school, and that's my when high school got tough? was. Yeah, four thousand kids, eleven hundred of my graduating class. Um, big overcrowded New York City high school, um, in yeah, in Queens, uh, Cardoza. And so, like. You felt like these symptoms coming on when you got into this. I was just yeah, I was just crazy shy and like not. I made like almost no friends the first like three years, mm-hmm. uh, and I was just like, okay, this is. I basically feel like those four years like I didn't develop. So like when I was in college, I felt like I was catching up to high school, and then when I was working in finance, I felt like that was my college. 
So like now, and it may, I mean, also, yeah, people always want to be younger, but yeah, now that I'm 39, I feel like maybe I'm getting close to caught up or like I'm in my early thirties. That, that is like the ultimate dream. I mean, that's everyone's like fantasy where it's like transport back into your body from high school with like the knowledge. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, like I, how many times have you, I've lived that fantasy life in my head multiple times. And, uh, so I always like, yeah. It'd be pretty funny if you went back and you still just like fucked up and you didn't get anything right. There like, should be a movie like that. Yeah, yeah. Guy goes back. There, is I, that what Never Been Kissed is or or Twenty One Jump Street? Uh, they go like they don't get transported back. Um, I'm trying to think. There's some movie where like I think it's Zac Efron and Matthew Perry, and Matthew Perry turns into Zac Efron and goes back to high school. But I've never seen it. But I don't know if there's any variation of like. Guy thinks if he goes back to high school, things will be great. Then he goes and tries to make it awesome, and it still sucks. I think it's a good idea. For All right, that's yeah. uh, copyright. Don't steal this. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're gonna timestamp this, and if we see that movie come out later, we're coming for you. Um, so I, but I think that's very interesting that you kind of had that foresight or that awareness that like this is a problem I have to fix, and it wasn't like all right, I gotta like be, learn how to come out of my shell so I can do public speaking or be a comedian. It's like I just kind of have to like live. Yeah, under life. all the anxiety and self-hate, I did really believe in myself. It is it is kind of like that, isn't There's it? There's many layers. But yeah, I would just, because pre-antidepressants, I would just go through periods where I would just hate myself for maybe three or four hours, maybe, uh, maybe you know, a couple weeks, and then like most, all of junior year of high school. That oh, was my oh, rock bottom when I was 16. I was very <sighs> depressed. I was like even like mentioning I wasn't like planning suicide, but I was even like mentioning suicide to my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why like like Kid Rock, right? Like that, like he seems like a jerk now, but ball with to ball when I when you were sixteen and depressed, that oh, hit so dude. hard. Get out of here! And then just the, the scream at the beginning. Yeah. Just, my name is. Oh, yeah. This is for the questions that don't have any answers. That's like that's really spoke to me when I was sixteen. And he looks like he does look pretty badass on that cover with like the red neon light, yeah. and, like he's smoking a cigarette. And something. you don't know his dad's an oil or IBM or whatever executive. You, he's, yeah, he was rich, right? Yeah, he's a rich kid. Yeah. Okay. All right. And yeah, he he painted. Like the, that album painted his persona as like a piece of trailer trash, like Eminem was, but that was not the case. At oh all. yeah, yeah, Eminem is at least yeah more. Eminem is of course more authentic than Kid Rock. Okay, well as anyone probably is. So, so but yeah, you kind of get stuff figured out in high school, and then you get to college, and like again, reading through that article, it seems like you really, really put yourself out there. In, I where, tried. Where, where did you go to college? A uh, Binghamton. Oh okay. Which was a. It was basically, uh, it was, I mean, it was basically like the college version of Cardoza. It mm-hmm. was the same, it was a lot of the same people. A state school. The key, was, yeah, uh, the great thing is, yeah, I, I didn't graduate with that much debt. And I had some debt, but you know how you pay off your debt? Get laid off. Yeah. Yeah, the first time I got laid off, I paid off the debt. And then the subsequent times I was able to save money. You you paid it off with the severance? Yeah. All right. So, yeah. again, here's the advice to everyone listening. Go into debt. Get laid off. And then, yeah, use that to pay off the debt. Also, save money, too. The key with layoff, like, let's say you get laid off. I mean, I was at Morgan State for seven years, and, like, they were reasonably generous because I wasn't, like, if you get laid off, like, the company's going under, they might not give you anything. But, like, they gave, I think they gave, let's say they gave me three months of severance, and then I got a job in, like, a month or two. That's a month of money you can save or pay your debt with. You're doubling up. Yeah. Yeah, there's the thing. Yeah, ideally, you know, you're getting laid off, and there's people who do it where they actually have an offer the day they get laid off. Oh wow! I mean, that's yeah, that they're the champs of the world. But that's yeah, I never dream. did that. Yeah, that's amazing. I've also been seeing like news about like the meta layoffs and Google and Yahoo, and they have like six month severance oh, package. Yeah. 
Like that's that's yeah. insane. And I think th- and the thing is, you know, the people who own these companies make a lot of money. So the workers do deserve it. And it's unfortunate that it's not like standardized because the company can give you nothing. Yes, if you get if you watch this and get laid off and get nothing, just yeah, it's not my fault. You, don't, please, yeah, don't, please don't do your don't research. Play yeah. I got I did get lucky. A lot of telling anyone's life stories, you have to say how you got lucky because that's uh, everyone gets lucky at some points um, if you're even at all successful. When you're in college, I read that you started a TV show or that you were like on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So second year of college, I get on. Uh, I was doing clubs anyway. I get on the antidepressants, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm, I don't hate myself. I can talk. And then, like, the college, I was at the college TV station. I was like, I think I was just like, you could, anyone could be in there. Like, they had a well-funded TV station, but it's a state school, and no one wants to do it. Binghamton, you said it has 20,000 students or something like that? I think it might have had 10,000. Okay. It had ten or 20,000. But that's still a lot of, that's still a lot of It was of a big, it's a, it's not a, um, a huge school. It's a big school. It's a state school. Binghamton is the best academic reputation of the state schools, and the state schools were only like ten thousand dollars a year, which was low in my because I got into NYU forty thousand. They gave me ten thousand, so it would have been thirty thousand. That's three times as much as Binghamton. Mm-hmm. So ten thousand back then was low. Um, it's probably more now, and I know. I also I believe people are paying eighty thousand a year for college right now. Something insane. It's it's inflated a lot in Binghamton or just like on it, average. I have private schools. Okay. NYU is and people can fact because I would guess NYU is eighty thousand a year right now. I would yeah. It could be more, but I would it, it's it's doubled since um, two thousand five or whatever. Because you say private school and then you put it in New York City, I'd imagine and, that like the tuition is at NYU is the lead is the most expensive college as far as i know it's the least equitable like they it's all it's almost all people who can afford it mm-hmm. another, another bit of financial advice like stay away from private school uh so but yeah you were saying like you had the the the, the uh school channel that they had there yeah so they had basically i was the they're like sports guy on this news show that like two, um two very nice uh girls were doing and then they like they slacked off and like we don't have any news. We're just gonna do like a call in or whatever. We're just gonna talk. You could always take calls, and I just get on there, sit with them, and I just start like going off like like Howard Stern or something. Mm. I remember this is pretty. Su- I don't think this is even that offensive. That someone called in about the vagina monologues, and I didn't know anything. And I just said they're for pussies, <laughs> and everyone listened. And that was the moment where I knew I could talk on a microphone. And it's stupid. It's not like there's nothing good about it. Yeah. Um, and I think I even ended up seeing the vagina monologues like a year later and like, oh, this is really good. Like, yeah, like I didn't know. Yeah. I feel bad for disparaging the vagina monologues. Yeah. I'm pro them. Yeah. I, you actually, you learn a lot. Okay. I don't know if I saw part of them because you learn about all kinds of potential problems that like as a guy you wouldn't know about. Yeah. Cause you're not exposed to them. Yeah. So, but you said like this was specifically because of like going on the antidepressants in college and like, I was just ready. Yeah. I was ready to go. I brought me out of my shell and. There was a line in the article that I liked that said something along the lines of like I wor- I was worried they were going to change my personality, but instead they removed the biological impediments to my personality. Like what is what yeah exactly yeah there's you? chemicals uh, you know and uh, I don't know also that um, now having read more like uh, the mind doesn't technically exist it's all a little like free will versus all that. it's all kind of a little weird but basically there's chemicals in your brain that govern your mood. And some people's are very prone to depression and self-hate and anxiety. And if you change the chemicals, then you are and is prone to them. And it doesn't necessarily change other things about you. So if you feel like you're trapped inside, they can untrap you. So it's not it's like um, if you're running with a weighted vest, like being able to kind of take off the weighted vest. Exactly. Like running yeah. is still hard, but it's yeah. not as hard as 
yeah. as it would be in that situation. So yeah, your brain is not this like a ma- magical thing that, that like records, only corresponds to the Protestant work ethic. Your brain is a series of chemicals and biology and stuff. So like um, if you're feeling depressed for no reason, that might be the biology aspect. And it might not only be a, a psychological thing. It's okay. hard to explain, but uh, they antidepressants really changed my life. That's good. I mean, I think like even the smartest people, like people in the field, wouldn't be able to explain it because I think there is a lot, yeah, just unknown about like, but chemically and then environment and then just like, yeah, s- stuff you reinforce to yourself, like like your the kind of input that you take in, yeah. or like in like what you give to yourself. I think I think throws. Yeah. If you're considering doing it, you should talk to a doctor, but also they'll prescribe you antidepressants in like 15 minutes. So you might want to like really like, you know, seek out experts and like really like learn a little about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you definitely shouldn't uh, do, it, uh, do it based on just me saying a few lines on a podcast. Yeah. And people have had really bad results from antidepressants. So um, results vary. I'm the guy who had the great results. Freddie wants you to do your own research. I think that's that's important. Or at least the, consult the research of a doctor. Doing your, Yeah, doing your own research theoretically is good but then the people who said about the vaccine were just be like they were being insane about it yeah like they were not that was not real research all right so you feel you said you feel comfortable on the mic for a first time like like that that's is that where you first kind of got the itch to like all right i I can perform for people and like this this feels good yeah i never did it live also everyone in that school no one in that school wanted to be performing people like why would you want to do that i remember one of my best friends was like well what's the point of that so then I did um, make my own TV show, which I called Fred TV. I named my college TV show after the movie Ed TV. I've still never seen that movie. I mean, there's worse reasons to name a TV show. Yeah, it just rhyme. Yeah, it just. Uh, and then um, I basically, again, Howard Stern, right? So it was like, oh, you got to have strippers on. So we went to the we we went to the strip club. I think the week before, me and the head of the TV station, we asked them. And it seemed like they would come, and then, but then we went. We had to go. It was a Monday at eight. We had to just go Monday day shift and convince two strippers to come. Monday at eight p.m. or a.m. It was an eight p.m. show. Okay, so you but, would just go during the afternoon, and be like, "Hey, when you get off work, do you want to come do this show?" Yeah, yeah. Pennington? We convinced. Yeah, I think we got, we got into the car. This it's kind of insane. Also, I just would figure Monday day shift is the lowest rung. Just how strip clubs work, like Saturday prime time would be the top slot. Monday day shift might be the lower end slot. Those are the hungriest strippers, the yeah. ones that got to grind. To so they had probably only been stripping for like a month or two, because they were just breaking it. It's not about yeah, it's not about their appearance. They just experience. If you're doing Monday day shift, you're probably a less experienced stripper. I, it's hard to understand it. I know also, you know, we um, sex workers the proper term. We but yeah, we were just we were using the term stripper and. So basically, the interesting thing was like the stripper gave me a lap dance on the show and sat on my lap. And I had never had a naked woman on my lap before. I had never uh, been with a woman in any way or been to a strip club other than the time just to ask them to come on the TV show. So I made a face where you could tell. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like tell that like this is brand yeah. new to me and, and I've never experienced. And then also I think that face got on the cover, the, uh, the cover of the school paper. And what was the reaction in the school paper? They were like, use smut sparingly. Oh, my gosh. It was, I think it almost got the TV station taken off the air. But the thing was, I'm not. I'm just a kid or whatever. I'm not responsible. The head of the TV station was with me the whole time. He was graduating. He didn't care. So it was completely any trouble would have been on him. So he was like an adult and it was his job? He was like probably like 21. Okay. You know, he was an, um, he was the head of the TV station. So he was in charge. And he was just graduating. You know, they're not going to put you in jail for that. Um, but, yeah. Could be a black mark on your uh, 
Yeah, but he didn't care. And but it, it wasn't I was basically I was working with the authority figure, so I couldn't have gotten in trouble. It all worked out. I think that's, yeah, yeah. that's the important thing. All right. So bring it back around. You, you get out of college and then you go into finance. You start working at, at Morgan Stanley. And how long after graduation until like you start taking comedy seriously? You said like 2014 is when so you I started. So I basically in college, I get my doctor then it's like, you're too happy. I'm putting you on lithium. So I was on lithium for a year, quit the TV show. Then I did get back on the antidepressants, but I didn't do any performing. So I basically didn't – what year was it? The college TV show was mostly in oh, – I'll say it was mostly in 03 or 04, and then I didn't do any performing for about five, six years. I think I took an acting class in 08. But like you're in this job at Morgan Stanley, and but you feel like there's something missing or something that you've kind of – this is the Lost. worst thing, but I was kind of the funny guy in the office. Oh, no. And the funny guy in the office who thinks he can do stand-up is is a horrible trope. Also, then the thing is, like, when I first did it, my jokes were bad. My first, my opening line in my first ever set was, have you, it was right after Avatar came out. Have you guys seen Avatar? I'm dumping my girlfriend when 3D porn comes out. Meaning? Oh, that was like, the, that, and again, yeah. it's not a good joke. Right. Yeah. But also, every, I we all have bad jokes when I, we start, yeah. so who cares? I should have anticipated VR porn. Also, I could have made a lot of money. But you're, the, yeah, you are. I mean, you're the funny guy in the office, which you're right is a trope. But that's like, why it, they it worked me, out. Like, you yeah, know. that's why they called me Freddie. People in the office did call me Freddie G because it's kind of would be douchey to name yourself Freddie G. Mm -hmm. But also, people like saying it. And uh, Frederick Goldstein doesn't sound funny. And Freddie Goldstein to me sounds like maybe just the Catskills. That's that's true. And yeah, Freddie G does work. And then online, it's Orange Freddie G. Just like uh, I, I like basically a, got. It would be better if it was Freddie G. That that's taken by probably like a rapper or a, just a guy who got an account before me. My wife convinced me to get Twitter when we first started dating, and then I just I picked that name. Uh, I think ideally your social media name should start with your name. Now you're in a good situation because you have an easy to remember name that's not that common. So you just Pete Bladell everywhere. Yeah, I'm Pete Bladell across everything. So you're in perfect. You have the perfect situation for that. Yeah, I've knock on wood. I've never really had a situation where I've gone to sign up for like an account somewhere and it's just not my name's not available. Yeah, there's a Rory Gilmore is Alexis Bladell. There's one other famous Bladell. Yeah, it's B and she spells it with an E. B. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, so it's we we're probably related somehow. There's I only some, know her from her Mad Men arc. I don't know, man. I, I I know I keep harping on this, but I'm still so interested in like the whole like because this is my life and this is what I've had to deal with, just like working in an office while doing comedy and that kind of like dragging down. The schedules never match. No, and also like I don't know if you've heard this this concept of um, consistency space versus payoff space, where like if you're an office worker or a worker of any kind, you're really you're paid to be consistent. You're paid yes, to show exactly. up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, consistency. You're paid, yeah, you're paid to show up, do the work, be available, be reliable. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur or an artist of some kind, you you exist in what's called payoff space. Like you get paid on one big payoff or like one like you, your pay isn't consistent, but like you're working towards something that could be huge and then more fulfilling than just being consistent all the time. And I think with guys like yes. you and me who have pursued comedy while working office jobs, the friction of occupying both consistency space and payoff space is extremely, extremely difficult and like draining at the same time. 
That is the good thing in general about being I completely great. People should. There's a book called The Black Swan, Nicholas Nassim Taleb. Mm-hmm. I just what you're saying. I think you should consider reading books by him. I think he, he really talks about that stuff a lot. Yeah, I hear that name get passed around a lot online. Yeah, it's annoying because then there's a ballerina movie with the same name that's that came out around the same time. It's un- pretty just, sick movie though. I like. Oh, that. I want to see it. it. Just it's they're completely unrelated and both great, but it's annoying that they have similar names. Yeah. What was I say? Oh, okay. Basically, the nice thing about doing comedy and having worked in offices. You meet ev- – I've met everyone. I've met the richest, whitest people, and then I now meet, I meet people in comedy who have no money and every – and you meet people from everywhere. That's also, like, part of it. Like, I now have, like, five Palestinian friends, so that made me rethink everything about Israel, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. Like, you meet everybody, so you see – you actually have a diversity of people, and it really changes you and makes you a much richer person. I, yeah, I feel the exact same way. Through comedy, I have met – Trans people, recovering drug addicts, yeah. like, yeah, people from every racial, economic, ethnic background. And not only do you meet these people, you hear them talk about their lives and experiences. So you are, like, exposed. Like, it's not just, like, a, a superficial me, like, hey, how's it going? My name's so-and-so. Like, you, you get, you see more of them than you would in, like, a regular kind of day-to-day interaction. Yeah, cause I, yeah, I didn't even think. Yeah, the, the all the yeah, you meet people. Not only do you meet people like with any kind of a LGBTQIA stuff, but just like sexual fetishes. Everyone, just every kind of sex thing, people not only have, but then they talk about it on stage. Yeah, share it freely. Yeah. So like yeah like uh, yeah when I say like, like yeah like oh like this guy would be like I one comic was like and this wasn't even on stage he was just like oh in the green like I'm into fart porn. It's like I don't even know what that is. That would just that would make me want to throw up. <laughs> I, I think that that that's part of it too, in that comics are so used to being so open with um, themselves on stage. They they carry that off stage too. Like I've, yes. I've I've brought certain comic friends around, like my friends from college or like my wife's friends, and like sometimes the uh, disconnect isn't the right word, but yeah, just how uh, open they are with they are about stuff can be a little bit jarring for, oh yeah, for people yeah. we're over sharers but yeah but luckily like you know working in an office i think we've learned to to kind of tamp that down and, and manage it like, i think we have like a better modulation sometimes than than yeah. than people who who aren't actually yeah last thing i want to talk about because you you've mentioned this to me before with like sketches that i've shared about like marriage or whatever you say like you feel like we live very similar lives yes um how's yeah just how's it how does it feel being like a wife guy in a comic and trying to like merge those two things together? Cause there's not a, there's not a ton of at least at our age or at least the people that I'm around, like married comedians. Yeah. It's uh, I would say it's you, if you find someone who can support your comedy career, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my wife kind of actually got me into it because I was in finance. I wasn't thinking about becoming serious about performing. She's a performer or no, sorry. She's in, in performing arts She's a stage manager. She's in. That's why we have a good health insurance. She's in Actors Equity, the Broadway and Off Broadway uh, Actors and Stage Manager Union. So she and yeah. So she showed me that you could like. But she was working some a uh, some level of office job and left it and got into the union and now is pretty is pretty much full time stage manager. And was that when she got out of the office job and into the stage manager job? That was before you started seriously doing stand up, or it was yeah okay. So that had I think I the thing is I think it was I said a story about July two thousand eleven. I think she might have gotten into the union June two thousand eleven. Okay, so it might be pretty, and also that she was willing to accept it. Um, I do have this thing that's very helpful for me because I started stand up after thirty, and I found a wife who supports it a lot and also doesn't want kids. 
So then we not if we not having kids, kids cost a lot of money, take a lot of time. I don't have to worry about that. That That's super helped me. Yeah, that that definitely definitely frees up a lot financially and time wise. Do you think you would be doing stand up if you hadn't met her? I don't think uh, I don't know if I had met a finance woman. I probably I don't know that I would have. Maybe I would have tried it at some point, but I uh, it's unclear. I think I definitely need. Yeah. The more romantic thing is, no, I never would have done it. Okay. I would be, yeah, I would be, I would be, uh, I would be a guy in finance who, uh, is, it became a Trump supporter or something. I'd be completely, but who knows? I need all this money. Yeah. You never, yeah. You know, yeah. There's infinite, if there's infinite parallel universes, we'd have in, you know, in, in in a certain percent of them, yes. And a certain percent of them, no. That's a Freddie G variant. You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the king of Morgan Stanley, just like liquidating people's mortgages or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Completely different guy now. And Hey, look, if you ever like guys, if you guys ever get into a fight about comedy or she like gives you a hard time about it, you can just say. This is kind of your fault. You know? Oh, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So where can people find so yeah, you, you online? You dropped the handle earlier, which is good. Uh, yeah. Orange Freddy G. So, yeah, the, uh, on all the social medias. I'm big on Instagram, TikTok. God willing, it still exists. Uh, yeah, it could be gone by the time this comes out. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, TikTok, um, YouTube, Twitter. Twitter, I get political. Twitter's like you're getting everything. The real the stuff that's just funny you're getting on the other ones like uh, like uh, Instagram and TikTok, YouTube, uh, and I post videos of me saying the jokes in my house, stand up clips, and then uh, sketches I'm making with a partner. Her name is Laura Murley. Yeah, um, we had one go viral recently, so check that out. Awesome. Any anything particular you're working on, or just you want to plug, or just uh, um, I'm going to be. I'm now. I feel ready to headline because it takes with the short jokes. It takes a while, and I'm going to be booking dates. Um, I'm even thinking about other stuff like one man show type stuff, but it's nothing is booked to plug. But when I do have it, I'll incessantly plug it on at Orange Freddy G. So you go there and you just wait. Awesome. And especially watch my Instagram story a lot. All right. Keep an eye on Freddy Space, everyone. Uh, thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. I think this is YouTube, so I have to say that. And if you're, oh, it, please do. And yeah. if, if you're if you're listening, follow and, and rate five stars. This is I feel like I have a gun to my head as I say this. It feels gross, but eventually it'll become natural. So, uh, Freddie, thanks for taking the time, making the trip out here from Astoria. Enjoy that. Control so apartment fun, yeah. and, uh, and free space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love you guys out there. All right. Later, guys.